My name is Jason Salomi and this is Perfection, an athlete's perspective. Hello everyone, um, welcome to another episode of Perfection, an athlete's perspective. Now today um, I have a very, very special guest. Um, he is a Kent State graduate, uh, former director of sports and nutrition at the University of Oregon from 2014 to 2017. Um, he has been the New York Giants Director of Performance, Nutrition and the Assistant Strength Coach, Strength and Conditioning Coach from 2017 uh, till recently, till 2020. Um, his name is Pratik Patel. How, how are you doing, Pratik? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm, re- I'm really good, thank you. And uh, I'm, I'm really honoured to have you on. Um, it's, it's great to have a professional. Um, I, I wanted to, to talk to you about um, nutrition because I know... Well, in my experience, a lot of athletes um, such as myself um, have struggled or do struggle with nutrition in general. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, quote unquote fake news about about nutrition, and you know a lot of guy <laughs> a lot of guys struggle um, with with resources and and kind of what to believe about certain things. Um, I, I play um, safety um, for the Dresden Monarchs and the GFL one. I don't know if you heard about GF- <clears throat> GFL. It's a um, professional uh, football league in, in Germany and uh, I'm recently a uh, CFL global prospect so um, I'm, I'm just essentially trying to get better as an athlete and, and a man and the kind of the goal of this podcast is, is to help people hopefully do the same and and hopefully uh, you know they learn a few things along the journey and I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to speak to you and, and hopefully we can get some some things done man. <clears throat> no I appreciate it. thanks for having me on and I, I've heard a little bit about the GFL I'm not you know, intricately familiar with it, but I think, you know, getting a chance to grow the game overseas even more and more and seeing that there are, you know, people like yourself in other countries outside of the US that are really interested in football is something that's that's exciting and it's fun because sometimes we just get bombarded with everything that happens here stateside and we don't necessarily know how global the game can be and has become. Yeah. So I think it's it's such an awesome opportunity for people abroad to get a chance to to play the sport, especially if they really like it, because there are fans of the NFL all over the globe. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, the one thing that the that, that kind of a lot of our, us European guys get funny about, not funny about, but one thing we realise is that when you, when you guys win the Super Bowl, you call you guys world champions, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is which is like the, the most American thing to do. Like <laughs> It is, it is. Uh, but no, nah, that's, you know, it's, it's just kind of, it's kind of funny. Uh, you guys, I mean, it would be kind of cool if one day that would be like a football World Cup, but I don't know, that's, that's years in advance, <clears throat> um, but now I wanted to I wanted to ask a question because I I recently um, came across uh, I think a friend told me about the Tennessee Titans. A few of their players um, became vegans, and mm-hmm. you know quite a few of them reported back saying you know they felt different, they felt better, they felt lighter, um, you know they they lost joint pain, they felt like they could recover better. And I wanted to ask you as a nutrition expert. Is veganism something that's, uh, you know, a particularly viable option for athletes or is it just something that is, you know, a nice change up and you kind of go back to what you're doing before? I think it goes both ways. And really when you're, when an athlete comes to me, because I've worked with guys in the NFL that are vegan, had wanted to transition into vegan or even try it. And the main thing is if a guy has his mind set in advance, Like, I'm not going to try to change his mind because my goal is to support him Mm -hmm. with what he's doing. So if I came at him and say, no, you know, from a, from a practitioner and coach's perspective, 
I'm not just going to outright and tell the players to go vegan because the research goes back and forth. It, and it depends on how well somebody adheres to a vegan diet because these guys could eat cereal and donuts and abstain from animal foods and still be eating vegan and thinking that they're eating healthy because the choices they're making are vegan, but it's not going to support their goals. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things that I've been able to see and observe working with these athletes over the past 12 years or so is that, <laughs> and you could probably attest to this too, a lot of athletes, regardless of level, if you're high school, university, or professional, don't eat very well to begin with. And there's a, there's a variety of reasons behind that. Some of it is just lack of education. Some of it is lack of resources. Some of it is just, you know, being accustomed to doing certain things for so long that you don't want to deviate from that. And, you know, going from a, an inopportune or, you know, non-optimal diet to transitioning to healthier isn't the most fun thing in the world to do. No. Because food <laughs> is one of those things that give you instant gratification when you eat things that you like. Mm -hmm. So I think from a perspective of, of a practitioner's perspective, you have a lot of guys, put, you know, this could have been the case because I actually worked with some of those players that ended up coming to the Giants and got more of an idea of, okay, this is their version of being vegan. So they go from eating a diet of whatever they want, whether it's a lot of processed food, a lot of fast food, alcohol, X, Y, and Z. And then they start cutting out those things because they are now told to be vegan, you have to eat, you know, more fruits and vegetables and plant-based source foods. So you're not going to get a lot of processed things. So when you start cutting out the crap and you start getting the things that the body already needs in higher quantities, I mean, obviously it's going to play a role with, you know, helping them manage their weight. It's going to play a role with decreasing inflammatory markers and inflammation in the body. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just a shift of them doing things that they should be already be doing. But for the most part, um, you know, the players that I've worked with that are vegan, they slowly start increasing their intake of, you know, different kinds of proteins. So yeah. whether they're like, oh, I'm going to be vegan, but I'm going to eat only fish or I'm going to eat fish and turkey. I'm not going to eat red meat or I'm not going to eat uh, pork or, or pig type products. Yeah. So the main thing is just looking at what they were doing before. What did they eliminate and transition into? And is there a direct association or is it they feel good? because now they're not eating that crap and that junk that they were doing before, which they shouldn't have been doing for the most part, if they want to feel healthy, if they want to make progress and reach their goals, whether it's, you know, body composition, health, improving physical parameters, and mm -hmm. then how they feel overall. So I think sometimes people just, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of sensationalism in the media and Netflix, you yeah. know, you have these groups that have their own biases and their own agendas that are funding these these documentaries and funding studies and this and that. So you kind of have to be very objective and kind of look at everything from a broad picture. Yeah. Cause I, I, I think I know what you're talking about Netflix. There was that documentary. I can't remember what it's called, but um, a lot of people got quite spooked about it. I think it was talking about the dairy industry and the meat industry. And mm. from that, you know, I, I have, uh, I have a friend who's, he's a boxer and he's competed at a high level and, and he became vegan um, after watching that. And <clears throat> I just became very aware of, you know, like you say, the fact that some some people make these documentaries and these, you know, these shows and, and, and write these articles with an agenda, with biases. But I think I think what you said was really good. You spoke about just kind of knowing your own body and, and knowing how you respond. Um, and I know a lot of um, a lot of these these vegan uh, documentaries or what have you have particular biases. Um, and I remember like, like you were saying before, um, it's kind of about knowing your body and knowing how you respond and, you know, people like you help with that. But I kind of wanted to go back and, and ask you about, 
um, athletes that you've worked with are, do you find there are particular themes when you're working with athletes, um, things that they struggle with? Is it uh, like a protein issue, a vegetable issue? Is there anything that you notice that athletes in general that you've worked with have struggled with? I think it, it, it kind of depends on the stage of that athlete's career and the places that they've been, you know, in the U S now that there's been such a push and emphasis on health and performance, you have kids that are starting to learn a lot more at the high school level, not, not as much as they need to, because you've got millions of high school athletes in the U S and then if they get a chance to play at the college level and university level, especially the major division one colleges, you have very integrated and supported strength, conditioning, nutrition, athletic medicine, and recovery staffs. Mm -hmm. So they have access to all these different, um, you know, nutritional items, whether it's meals, whether it's snacks, whether it's, you know, supplements. So they're provided all these different things. And that to an extent where they're not getting the appropriate education because there's so much on the plate of a student athlete. And there's so many different people that are trying to, you know, impose their protocols and policies and procedures on them that sometimes it, there's a lot of handholding. So they, they get taught a lot of different things, but maybe not for the reasons that they, they need to, they don't understand how to develop the autonomy and take the initiative of really like, all right, I've been taught about nutrition. I know exactly what I need to do based on time of year, what my goals are. So there's, there's a lot of differences in how much an athlete knows when I get a chance to meet with them. But, you know, some of the basic ones are, they're just not consistent enough with doing what they should be depending on the time of year, you know, yeah. they get into these habits. They're, they're used to doing things a certain way. So if they do things a certain way over the course of an off season, then they transition with the team. They, they need to realize like, look, what you were doing in the off season was kind of bare minimum. Now you're with the team and during training camp, you know, the intensity has been ramped up, your energy demands and positional demands are now through the roof. You have to adjust. And you know that now what you were doing to maintain your weight has to be you know, bumped up to the ceiling, you have to eat more frequently, you have to eat more, you have to hydrate even more, you have to pay more attention to your recovery. Mm. Uh, sleep is going to be altered, because now the schedule starts earlier in the morning, and now you have more stress on your shoulders. So I think from a nutritional perspective, guys sometimes aren't taking advantage of appropriate nutrient and meal timing, uh, the appropriate, you know, macros based on and, and calorie amounts that they would need to sustain their body goals, whether they're trying to maintain their weight, whether they're trying to gain or lose, and having a fundamental understanding of what is it that they need to do specifically to achieve their definition or their, their goals for health and performance to be able to get through an entire season. So it's not really just one thing. It's kind of a, a variety of different factors that yeah. you know I've seen when working with these guys. But again, it just comes down to awareness and education and how much of a priority does this particular player put and taking care of their bodies. We, we see a lot more of it at the NFL level when these guys recognize and realize that the time to make money and a lot of money, if you're good, is a short window. Yep. You know, it's two to three years. And then then, there, then there's no money coming in. Like no one's going to pay you if you're not on a roster. Hmm. So if, if they're not healthy, if they're not performing well in practice, if they're complaining and always hurt, then a GM is going to be like, look, you know, my job is to make sure this roster is – able to compete to the best of ability. If there's a player that gets cut from another team that is better than the second string or third string currently on his team, then it's his obligation to go out and get that person. And then yeah. it's the person's obligation that's on the current roster to fight and keep that spot. So that's some of the things that we've had to deal with at the NFL level. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that, that I kind of wanted to ask you, I, I've, I've trained of guys and, and played with guys 
um, for a while who, they, they, you know, nutrition, you talk about, you spoke about priority and placing priority on, on looking after your body. And I think as athletes, sometimes, especially when we're good at what we do at, at our particular levels, you can get complacent. Okay, I'm, I'm faster anyway, you know, so I don't need to do X, Y, and Z. But then after a while, you, you kind of become, you know, a regular sized fish in a regular sized pond, if you know what I mean. And you're, you're competing against guys who take everything seriously. How how do you get guys to kind of turn that on? And is it something that, that you've seen guys struggle with? Yeah, it's definitely something I've seen guys struggle with. And you hit it on the hill, nail on the head. The, the priority isn't necessarily there. You know, if, if you're dealing with players in the offseason, they're obviously thinking about, you know, if you take away the time off and the vacations and them just not wanting to think about football and just, you know, decompressing. But then the next thing they think about is just train, train, train. Where am I going to go to train? Who am I training with? What is it that I'm doing? And one of the biggest things that kind of gets swept under the rug or pushed off to the side is that whole, all right, well, you have things that you're trying to achieve during the soft season training program. You need to get, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, what have you. And they're going to do all the training, but it's all those little things that can add up daily. It's like, okay, what is your health status currently? Do you know, you know, have you gone to the doctor? Have you done a thorough physical? Do you know what your, you know, blood biomarkers are? Are you deficient in something? What's your inflammatory status like? What are you doing in terms of stress management? How's sleep? Mm -hmm. You know, are you eating adequately enough? Some of that stuff just kind of gets pushed off to the side because everybody's fixated on, yeah, I've got to get back in the gym. I've got to get back on the field. So those are things that can play a huge role with, you know, accelerating and really letting them take advantage of all the adaptations that they want to take advantage of mm -hmm. in the off season. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you're only going to train, you know, once or twice a day, if that, you know, four to six times a week, and then that's mm -hmm. it, you know, you might have a day or two off there, but you're, you're required to eat because these guys have such high energy demands and high energy expenditures multiple times per day over the course of a week. So you're, you know, there, there's a lot more room for error there than there is in training, but because there is, it just gets pushed off to the side and guys don't necessarily think about it as much as they could and should. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, thinking about things such as like stress management and like going to the doctors, things that seem so simple, but like, but can make such a massive difference. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't, to be honest, I can't even remember the last time I've even been to the doctors, um, which is, which is terrible. Uh, so I, I probably should book an appointment, but you know, things like, like stress management and, and the kind of impact that can have in your training is, is huge. Um, you know, I mean, some guys, some guys I know that I play with when they're not playing with their teams, they're, you know, working a regular job and whatever. And, you know, that can have a massive impact in, in, in stress management, obviously in training. So, yeah, it's definitely something done with a lot of guys to to think about, especially if they're not at the pro level. Um, and I, I wanted to speak to you as well about. Um, so I think I think you you commented on Twitter, but a, a, a British celebrity, Mark something, I think I can't remember his name. He spoke about <laughs> he he spoke about uh, carbs being uh, the key factor in in obesity, and you know a lot of the you know nutrition community and and, and strength community were kind of up in arms about it because you know they were, they were speaking you know about how some how some get it so wrong do you mind quickly just explaining sort of how carbs work and how people like that might be misinformed yeah yeah so i think his tweet was carbs cause obesity and that's the I one i had responded back saying well no carbs don't cause obesity it's there's a variety of factors for why the world this you know especially both of the countries usa and uk yeah are facing 
issues with obesity and what it comes down to is, you know, people tend to gain weight and, you know, when you look at it from a BMI perspective, the more gain you, the weight you gain for the same height that you are, you're going to increase from, you know, normal weight to overweight to obese. So it's just breaking it down in its simplest terms, it's consuming way more energy than you're expending over the course of a long period of time. Mm -hmm. But it's not just, oh, I'm eating just carbs. And that's the reason why obesity happens. It's the, well, there's a variety of reasons why you can eat carbs and be an athlete and then train and move and then not be overweight or obese. So yeah. to say that it's specifically carbs in and of itself isn't necessarily true because there are other factors that come into play. You know, it could be from a lack of exercise, lack of movement, poor stress management, and, and poor sleep, which is exacerbating and accelerating the weight gain that somebody has, even though they might be eating really well, or are they doing, you know, exercise here and there? It's not, you know, in an ideal and optimal situation. And what we have nowadays is access to hyper palatable foods, foods that taste really good, and they're full yeah. of, you know, refined sugars, carbs, refined yeah. fats, you know, some of those inflammatory fats too, which do play a role when you look at some of the papers that have been published and they're looking at, you know, biomarkers of healthy people, not healthy people. And you see that these inflammatory markers in the body, especially like your omega six to three ratio, as it goes up, it's correlated really strongly with um, insulin resistance, high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, obesity, an increase in that white adipose tissue and the white fat, which is not the kind of fat you want in your body. You want, you want the more metabolically active brown fat and tissue. So it's not just one thing you know, cause they were eating carbs a hundred years ago, but obviously they were eating better quality carbs. You know, more yeah. people were moving. They didn't have sedentary jobs where you were stuck inside sitting all day. Mm. You know, so there's there so many different things that come into play. And if we just demonize carbs and you got rid of all carbs, people would still overeat with, you know, proteins and, and, and fats and things of that nature, because they're not addressing all these other things that come into play. You know, people still aren't going to be exercising. They're still not going to eat very well. They're still going to drink alcohol they're still not going to know how to manage their stress, which mm -hmm. all plays a role with how the body, you know, ends up gaining weight. So that's, you know, from a, from a, a general perspective, yeah, these are all the things that contribute to excessive weight gain over time, which can lead to obesity. Now carbs in and of itself, you know, when the body eats carbs, it gets broken down. You've got your polysaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, every get, everything gets broken down to glucose, regardless of the type of carbohydrate. Now, when you eat carbs, your body has to process it. It gets into the blood, blood sugar rises. And coincidentally, the body recognizes it and then secretes insulin from the pancreas to take the blood glucose from the blood and put it into the tissues that it needs to go, whether it's muscle, whether it's liver, and that's where it needs to be stored. So if you're an athlete or you're somebody who exercises, you know, you definitely want to have that blood sugar in your system, because that's, what's going to provide you with energy. Mm -hmm. And then after you train, you've exhausted your muscle glycogen stores because to keep that blood sugar elevated during training, you break down glycogen, which is stored in the body. And the majority of that is stored in the muscle. So after training athletes need to make sure that they're replenishing it. So then it gets stored back in the muscle. So when you do high intensity type activities, especially what football players are doing, looking at the quote unquote, the bioenergetics of it. So what energy systems come, come to play? It's you're heavily reliant on muscle glycogen and the, and the glycolytic energy stores for anaerobic and aerobically. Mm -hmm. So that's basically, you know, a little bit of physiology of, of carbohydrate metabolism, just without going crazy deep into it. Yeah. But when you start overeating, 
carbohydrates and you're not utilizing them, which happens with a lot of people. So they eat things that are packaged sweets and, you know, very processed grains and breads, you know, I'm not talking about like fruit and potatoes and, and, you know, things of that nature, vegetables, but that elevates blood glucose levels and, you know, insulin increases. And over time, if your body's not going to utilize it, it doesn't get stored where it needs to, it stays in the bloodstream. And that's where things and problems start happening. Mm -hmm. So constant carbohydrate consumption without proper energy expenditure and movement to be able to burn that and and meet the energy demands with the intake, then that's when people start to gain weight. Mm. But that also happens, you know, if you eat too much fat, if you eat too much protein, it's basically just making sure that you understand how much am I burning? How much am I taking in? Do I have a, a nice balance between both of those? Yeah. And, you know, uh, thank you for, for explaining that. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the listeners are really going to appreciate that. And, you know, when you, when you break it down, how you did, it, it then becomes very questionable uh, as to how people can, can sit back and think that just eating carbs is going to make you obese. Um, because, you, you see, I, I've been around athletes that think the same thing. Oh, I don't eat carbs and I don't eat this, that and the other. I mean, for example, I was watching a YouTube video the other day and it was talking about uh, DK Metcalf's diet, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it spoke about him like never eating carbs. And I thought, is surely that's impossible, um, you know, <laughs> for, for an NFL <laughs> athlete, especially an NFL athlete with, with such, such high uh, muscle content to, to compete the way he does and type of athlete is as well without carbs i mean you know I, I i don't know where these where these people get their information from but there there seems to be a sort of wild wild scale demonization around carbs and it i think it does infiltrate um the world of athletic performance especially when it comes to athletes yeah and it's unfortunate because you know athletes are just like normal people they're on the same channels that everybody else is so yeah. they're active on twitter and youtube and instagram and uh, TikTok and all this. So what gets perpetuated on those platforms or by large media and maybe gets picked up by, you know, the, these larger channels and ESPN or this and that, because this is what so-and-so is doing and they're a high profile athlete and everybody associates, oh, he's good because he does that. And they don't think about the years of training and the mental capacity and everything else that went into them being successful. It's just, oh, he's only successful because he transitioned to this diet for the past two months. And like I mentioned before, looking at how much knowledge does a particular athlete have, I think it it went back to a few years ago when LeBron James was on the Cavs and he wanted to try out paleo or something along those lines because he wanted to lean out. And at the beginning of the season, he had gotten down. He he probably walks around like a 260. He's a a big dude. Yeah, he's huge, yeah. And he, I think at the beginning of that season, they said he was going paleo and this and that. So obviously he's probably eliminating a lot of food groups. And he's probably burning thousands and thousands and thousands of calories a day. That guy doesn't stop. No. He had dropped a bunch of weight and his performance wasn't doing very well. They started the season pretty poorly. Yeah. Even, you know, for somebody as good as him on the teams that he's been on, it was poor. And then I think they changed up his diet. He said, yeah, you know, now I'm just not eating any carbs, but he rambled off on the things that he was eating. And it was still like fruits and vegetables and certain like complex carbohydrates and like or maybe is this just a little bit of a knowledge deficit when guys say they're not eating carbs do they know exactly the food groups yeah. that contain carbohydrates or do they think that is it this negative association when they think of carbs they're just thinking of like packaged snacks and, yeah. and sugar and all the sweeteners that get added to foods to make them taste good to preserve them 
to for people want to buy them because they're not going to buy anything that doesn't taste good yeah outside of it being healthy for them so i think it's kind of looking at all right is is he saying it because that's exactly what he's doing or is he saying it because maybe he's just not 100% informed on all the different you know types of foods and groups mm. yeah no that that's 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 something i think a lot of people struggle with um, you know i've i've met people that say like they don't eat um like rice or like potatoes um and and, and it's like why not they're, they're delicious um <laughs> but, but, I agree. but but more thank you but more importantly you know these 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 uh these carbs are good for you um but yeah that's that's definitely something i've seen athletes here struggle with is just a general sort of nutrition aspect and i think you know you know from my my own experience seeing you know changing my diet and, and being more sp- like specific about what i want to eat and you know just including more vegetables, which is something I, I hate growing up, but you know, <laughs> after a while, you know, um, you know, you, you, you just, you just have to do it, you know, and, and I do, I do generally feel better. You know, I generally feel more energized when I'm eating more vegetables. I notice myself, um, I went through a time at university where I went, I went, I think I went like three months without eating a single vegetable and I felt absolutely horrible. And I started, I started including, you know, more like leafy greens and then it, then it switched to like more vegetables that I actually enjoy eating, like, like sweet corn and carrots and, you know, stuff like that. And I, you know, I generally started to feel a lot better. Um, and I wanted to ask you as well, coach, you, you spoke about, pro- I think you tweeted about protein just yesterday, actually. Um, this is more of a, a general question for, for the, for the public, but do you mind quickly speaking on the, the um, importance of having um good protein intake and what that does to people in general yeah yeah so you know not just our muscles but a lot of our organs and tissues in the body are made up of amino acids and they also are precursor to hormones and neurotransmitters in the body so we you know we get amino acids from the food that we eat and there's nine essential ones that the body can't make but if you get enough of those nine essential ones you can pretty much make all the other amino acids in the body now, the source for these nine can come from a variety of different food sources. They're, they're best in the highest quantities in animal sources. So one of the reasons why eating high quality animal proteins is recommended because you get the essential amino acids in higher quantities than if you were to try to string it together from plant-based sources, which you can, but you're going to have to eat larger and larger quantities of mm. plant-based sources and then maybe even mix and match you know, rice and beans and a couple other things to be able to get all nine of those essential amino acids. And then the volume of that you would have to eat to match, you know, what you could get in uh, a steak or chicken breasts or fish is increased too. So there are ways to do it from a plant-based or vegetarian uh, methodology. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, when the body eats protein, it gets broken down into individual amino acids. So the body has an amino acid pool that it's kind of taking from every single day. So, you know, as you're training, whether it's lifting, sprinting, running, doing any type of exercise or movement, there's there's a breakdown of muscle tissue because that's just what the energy demands on the body is. Mm-hmm. So if you have enough protein that you're eating throughout the entire day, not just at one time point, but steadily throughout the entire day, so you have, you know, a full complement of those amino acids, then the body can build itself back up. So what you want to look at is what you call muscle protein synthesis. So the synthesizing of muscle proteins from these amino acids that the body eats and the ways to stimulate it are to eat you know high quality protein type sources to get those essential amino acids especially leucine which is the one that's kind of like the trigger uh, it, it isn't a branch chain amino acid 
Mm. And it works really well together when you have not only the other two branch chain amino acids, but all the other six mm-hmm. essential amino acids with it to be able to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So the amount that you want to eat kind of just dependent upon how large you are. Yeah. So they've done tons and tons of studies. They have recommendations. The recommendations for athletes, you know, resistance trained athletes, team sport athletes are generally where most people should actually fall in line and not just the 0.8 grams per kilogram per day, because that's just not enough. And more research is coming out too, as people get older, that threshold to be able to stimulate muscle protein synthesis is increased to almost even double. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, people that are parents age or grandparents age that aren't necessarily eating as much. They're not as active. So they're not doing bone and muscle stimulating activities, you know, like running, jumping, sprinting and lifting, but you can also do that by walking. Yeah. That if, you know, they're not doing the exercise to stimulate building muscle and adaptation, they're not getting enough protein and they even have higher requirements to be able to stimulate this muscle protein synthesis. And that just means that, well, sometimes, you know, and I, I'd love my parents to eat more, but they're going to be them. They're, you know, they're setting their ways, Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, try to teach other people too. you know, that you don't have to be an athlete to get the benefits of eating more protein. Like if you're somebody who's overweight or obese, you obviously still have to eat calories, but you want to eat in a caloric deficit. You want to lose body fat. You obviously want to increase muscle mass because that's one of the biggest predictors of decreasing all cause mortality and having a higher quality life is, you know, having more muscle mass on the body to be able to function properly, to be able to walk and move without any issues, to be able to have, you know, just functional strength too. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits of consistently eating protein throughout the day. And, you know, the upper level of what's been studied of how much the body can utilize is upwards of per feeding 0.55 grams per kilogram, which, you know, if you're talking about a 200 uh, to have an athlete or a hundred kilo athlete or 150 kilo athlete. It's, it's a good amount of protein. So, you know, most people could benefit from just making sure that they understand how much protein they need, you know, as a rule of thumb, you're probably going to benefit from getting in and around that 2.2 grams per kilo range, which is about the same as one gram per pound and spread it out throughout the day, depending on how many meals and how many feedings you have. That's, that's awesome, man. And, you know, so many people, can definitely benefit from a high protein diet, um, you know, and I think, I think as well, I think the reason why people s- s- kind of shy away from that is because, you know, you hear a lot of things and scaremongering about how red meat, you know, is, is going to kill you. And, you know, e- eating protein is, is like one of the gateways to hell and, you know, stuff, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. But, you know, you know, I, you know, I eat a high protein diet. I'm sure you do as well, coach. And a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm sure you feel great. I feel great, you know, every single day. Um, but, you know, before we, before we wrap up, Coach, I kind of want to ask you, are there any mistakes that you see uh, younger athletes make? Um, because I, I'm aware that I have a lot of young athletes that might listen to this too. Yeah, I think youth athletes kind of skip over doing those big rocks or the things that provide huge return on investment and try to look for that quick fix a little bit too much because again, that's what's being marketed not only to adults, but even to, to younger populations too, because you know, these companies are trying to sell products and what they really care about is the bottom line, as opposed yeah. to looking at health and performance from the areas that people really need to work on. So instead of, you know, you know, especially youth athletes waking up, eating a proper breakfast, you know, mm-hmm. filling in the day with snacks, eating the appropriate amount and types of foods at meals, you know, getting something before and after training, 
hydrating, you know, kids are like, well, I need, I need these supplements. I need to drink sports drinks all day, you know, or, you know, they, they eat a little bit too much in terms of processed foods or fast foods and not the things that they should and could be eating to help support them, not only growing, getting stronger, being healthy, but just feeling better overall. And yeah, I made a lot of these mistakes when I was a youth athlete and and an athlete in high school. Part of it was, I just didn't know, like my parents didn't know, I didn't know anything about nutrition, but nowadays, you know, there's, there's so much information out there, good and bad. There are definitely credible sources to turn to, to ask and follow and, and things of that nature to where, you know, everybody wants to gain muscle mass really quickly. Everybody wants to gain speed and, and strength as fast as possible, not realizing that, you know, your development as an athlete can last decades and you don't have to try to to swing for the fences right out of the gate. You know, I I try to do that when I was younger because I was so infatuated with wanting to build muscle and be stronger and bigger that my diet just was completely terrible. Yeah. I was missing the mark. Like so many missed opportunities when I'm thinking about me as, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old. Now that I look back at it, it's like, well, if I had the opportunity to do it all over again, I would, I would focus on just eating really well, eating consistently, developing good habits, getting plenty of sleep and putting more of an emphasis on that and not worrying about, um, you know, what you, what I read in the magazine or thinking about supplements. Yeah. Like that, that, that was my biggest mistake. Yeah, no, I, I can completely and, and, and utterly relate to that coach. I was, I was one of those kids. I mean, you know, I was kind of fortunate because I've, I've always been able to sleep pretty well, um, partly due to the fact that I used to spend on like gaming. So, you know, sleep didn't, didn't wasn't really hard for me. But um, I was one of those athletes. I used to, you know, I go to the gym and like, I, you know, work my ass off and then I go get like some fried chicken and stuff. And like, and, but the thing is as well, and then I go home and eat like what was for dinner. So like, you know, the, the, din- the, the home cooked stuff was fine. It was just the other stuff that was, that wasn't great. Um, but that's definitely something that, um, I think a lot of athletes, uh, young athletes can definitely relate to. Um, and I think, I think overall, you know, one thing that, that I'm definitely um, going to take, you know, I, I do it anyway, but I'm definitely going to really emphasize it as you, you, you briefly spoke about hydration and you know you briefly spoke about your you know protein intake and stuff like that and you know it's it's very important to me anyway but I'm gonna I'm probably gonna bug my girlfriend about it because she she kind of gets annoyed when I talk about healthy eating but (laughs) you know I I want her to to live as long as I do if not longer so uh I'm gonna I'm gonna bug uh, the people around me about it and make sure everyone is 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 getting the right quality food in but um coach we're gonna wrap up now so I just want to say um thank you for coming on um it really does mean a lot having a esteemed professional like yourself come on the show and and talk about things that are going to help people get better that was my pleasure thank you for having me on thank you man um and coach you're you're on twitter a lot um you know you can find you can find him on twitter at pratik x patel um and you know you're 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 very interactive i know and you know I'm, i'm sure people can do with uh you know sp- speaking to you and i'm sure you'll, you'll give them uh, any advice or, or help where you can <clears throat> yeah absolutely uh twitter very active and instagram as well same handle at pratik x patel awesome man uh coach uh, once again it's been a, a pleasure and i will no doubt speak to you soon <laughs>